Hello, and welcome to the NPM Interconnections Podcast. I'm Andrew Burns, your host for this week's episode. I'm joined today by one of my favorite people in the industry, Scott Wider, CEO of Standard Solar, which is one of the leading community solar developers in the U.S. today. So it's great to have him here, Scott. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Well, it's an honor to have you, and I have a lot that I want to discuss today, diving into what's going on in community solar and for Standard Solar specifically, um, some of which we're going to really be follow-ups to some previous conversations that you and I have had over the last year or so. But I think any conversation about community solar today should probably be couched as, as part of the discussion on what's happened with the IRA and kind of where we are, uh, you know, in the, the landscape following that. So um, and I think that there are, obviously, there's going to be some, there could be some pretty dramatic impacts on community solar specifically from the IRA. So I want to start there and then we can go into some other key areas. Um, why don't we just start with getting what your general reactions were to the legislation, and then I can prompt us to go into some specifics. Okay, well, I think the, the IRA is, is very positive for the industry, for the United States, and frankly, for the planet. Um, I am a little concerned with how much complexity surrounds the, the wording that's currently contained in the IRA. So I'm very interested to see the guidance that we're all waiting for to see how it's actually going to work um, because they took a complex investment tax credit platform and made it more complex. Sure, sure. And, and one of the things that I was going to ask you about was, you know, obviously it's been a few weeks since the legislation was passed, but we're nowhere near, you know, being, you know, attuned with what's going on. So how long do you think it's really going to take for, for this thing to kind of settle and for us to all get kind of accustomed to this new environment that, that we have in a post-IRA world? Well, I have no clue how long it'll take to issue guidance. I would anticipate somewhere around the new year to have the guidance. And so a strategy we're taking, obviously, is to start construction um, so we don't have to worry so much about the actual wording that goes into it. Um, and obviously, we have 60 days post-construction. Um, so we're trying to accelerate projects forward. So I think that will that will accelerate the whole industry, I believe. Um, I believe that it's going to create a bit of the Wild West in the industry, um, and we'll see a lot of new players enter the marketplace. And uh, I think that will create some chaos, but it'll also create a lot of opportunities. So I personally think it's going to take a couple of years to settle down. I think the first year will be a little crazy and We'll, we'll all learn the, the nuances of the new legislation and the guidance. Uh, and I think the investment tax credit providers, the tax equity providers will, will provide their guidance on, on how risk adverse they historically have been. Um, so we'll see how risk, they, risk adverse they are to some of the new language that's introduced. And I think that will take at least a year to fully understand. And then by year two, you're kind of getting a grasp of how it all works. And hopefully by year three, we're at full sprint speed. Right, right. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, one of the things that you bring up that I haven't heard a lot of people talking about is 
probably was going to result in this influx of uh, new participants coming into the, the solar space. Um, and, you know, you're somewhat versed in that, right? Because every time a new state opens up in community solar, for instance, there's like a rush to, um, you know, fill that, fill that space as well. So what impacts, you know, do you predict that, that having, like, say, you know, what we are anticipating comes to pass and a lot of new entrants are coming into the space, um, you know, walk us through, you know, what, what impacts that might have on the sector as a whole. Well, I think you'll get less sophisticated developers trying their hand at solar because they see the the uh, the what they perceive as a windfall um, coming their way. And I think those folks who haven't lived through some of the pain of the solar industry will quickly learn that it is a complex industry, and tax equity is not the easiest mechanism to fuel an industry. But it works, and those that figured it out can do it successfully. Uh, you know, at Standard Solar, our business model is to partner with uh, local developers. So one of the big values we bring to the table is we can help those less sophisticated developers with a lot of our resources here. Um, so we're looking forward to that rush. I do think it will, it could tie up uh, some of the cues uh, for interconnection uh, some of the interconnection studies could be uh, complicated. So those type of things are the negatives, but I think the positives will outweigh the negatives. The direct payment, which is kind of included in the IRA, uh, is restricted to nonprofit type entities. Mm -hmm. I think if, if there was just a cross the board uh, grant in lieu of the ITC, we would have seen a, a much bigger rush to the space. Uh, but because it is restricted, I think you'll see more specialized developers. I think with some of the add-ons that are included, you'll see folks that are just focused on those different yeah. specialties within the, so you'll see folks going after the coal facilities and the uh, energy and oil adder uh, projects. And you'll see those that are going after the, the low income and moderate income adder. So I think you'll see maybe some specialized developers out there. Um, so we'll see, it'll be interesting to see how it evolves. Yes, definitely. We'll definitely be um, paying close attention. You know, you already kind of touched on some of the adders that, that have been added, which is, you know, kind of one of the interesting things about the IRA where it seems like it might, it could potentially, uh, you know, particularly benefit things like what can you in community solar, you know, like for smaller projects and, and uh, projects that target the low to moderate income um, individuals. Um, but also, I think uh, might be bringing in sort of what you're talking about, about the complexity of all these different adders and how they all work together. So um, you want to just kind of uh, talk about um, some of the the adders that that, uh, you know, you guys are looking at that might, you know, you might be interested in as as community solar developers and then, you know, kind of maybe walk us through what you think they might the impact they may have on like financing projects with the complexity that you mentioned. Well, sure. I'll, before I jump into the adders, I'll talk about just your baseline ITC, right? So it's sure. got a prevailing wage and an apprentice requirement. Uh, obviously, we don't have the guidance on that, but that complexity, uh, I have concerns over. Um, and my biggest concerns are how tax equity providers are going to uh, take that risk because you can lose up to 80% of the ITC value. And clearly, companies like Standard Solar are going to bear that risk. Uh, the tax equity providers, I highly doubt, will take on that risk. So making sure that that's a no-fail 
proposition is absolutely number one because you, you can't afford to lose 80% of the ITC. So making sure you, you do not fail on that is going to be essential. And the apprentice especially, I think, is going to be interesting because it's hard to find enough of a labor force right now without the extra requirement of an apprentice program. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that develops. I think there's huge opportunities there. I think it's great that we're going to have a program to train up future workers. I just am concerned about the administrative aspects to it and how tax equity will react to that. As far as the adders are concerned, you know, the first one to talk about is really the domestic content the U.S. made right. part of it, mm-hmm. um, which is great. And uh, I think there's finally a mechanism out there to encourage U.S. manufacturing. We would love to buy more U.S. manufactured product. The fact of the matter is it's just not there to buy right now. So hopefully this spurs that side of the development and we'll see much more U.S. content available to meet that requirement. Um, so it'll be interesting to see strategies to meet that through racking or other outside of the solar panel itself. But I'm encouraged that we're seeing announcements that uh, manufacturing's coming to the U.S., which I think is fantastic. Um, so we'll we'll... we'll see what our strategy is on that going forward, but I think it's a good thing overall for the industry. The, you know, the energy community bonus, the, the brownfield, the yeah. coal and oil and gas sites, um, I'm probably missing one in there, but uh, that side of it, I think it'll be pretty specialized and, and there'll be sites that qualify for that. I believe there'll be some kind of cap on that. Um, so you'll have to apply for your site and your project, and we'll see how all that administratively works out. But I think there'll be some, some very lucrative projects built on old coal sites or uh, coal-powered power plants that have been retired. So I think it's great reuse of, of those sites. The interconnect's already there. So mm-hmm. uh, I think you'll have some very juicy projects uh, on ex-coal sites. Um, and then the one for us that I think is is uh, most meaningful is that the low to moderate income aspect. So if you build it in an area that contains this uh, LMI component to it, that you get this extra adder. So from a community solar aspect, I think it's perfect because community solar is um, probably the best mechanism to get uh, the low to moderate income participants able to uh, have the same benefits of solar that others can have because you're not worried about the structure of the building. It's just a much more simplified um, project. And uh, to administer it, it's fairly simple and easy to sign up. And and it'll be a cost savings to the communities that need the cost savings the most. So we're super excited about that component of it. The only negative I would say is I hope it's like... um, You know, you hear the stories of freeways being built through uh, low-income sections of the city. I hope it doesn't turn into that, and we do it in a responsible fashion where we're we're building these projects where they belong um, and we're good community stewards. So uh, we're very excited about it, and I hope we all take responsibility in how it's deployed. So overall, I think it's fantastic. Sure, sure. Yeah, and, and and some previous comments that um, that 
could pass along to me um, for another story we were doing, kind of gauging some reactions on on the IRA. Um, you know, you, you mentioned that you, you did expect the IRA to allow you to bring you know some projects to market that might not otherwise have been um, economical. Are they are these projects? Um, I don't know if you have individual projects in mind, but are they are they specific uh, in specific areas or specific types of projects like maybe brownfields or you know LMI community solar projects that you, you're thinking about that you know may not have worked out before, but you know, are, are looking, looking healthier now? Well, I think overall, if you, if you can combine the adders with the 30% ITC, obviously that's helpful. But I think the biggest help for our community solar projects are those that are under the five megawatt threshold that you can incorporate the interconnection costs into the project uh, ITC eligibility component. So, uh, you know, we have projects that we've been developing that have slightly above average interconnection costs and having the ability to then uh, have that as part of your ITC basis just really helps the project move forward that otherwise probably wouldn't because of those prohibitive uh, interconnection costs. So those projects especially, I think, will will move forward um, now that we can include those. Uh, so. And that's that's our sweet spot. Right. Five megawatts is we we like that size for a project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's perfect, and I'm sure that um, you know five megawatts will probably become even more popular <laughs> now that uh, now that that has uh, been included now, right? Um, so you mentioned some of these areas where you know you you've been dealing with the high interconnection costs and and you know maybe some congestion issues, and that's something that we have discussed you know going back. Um, to, you know, maybe about a year ago when we were talking about what, you know, what's going on in, say, New York, for instance, in Maine. Um, so in these, these states where you guys are obviously very active, are, are, are those still issues that, that you're facing, you know, this, still facing the same higher connection costs, same congestion in these areas, or has it cleared up a little bit? No, it's still bad. And the, the timing, unfortunately, is getting worse. Um, it's good to see some utilities are looking at some pilot programs to allow people outside the utility to do the interconnection upgrades that are required. And maybe we can speed up some of the timelines and reduce some of the costs. So I think that's the right direction. I think we need to do it much quicker and much faster and for a lot less cost. I think it's, it's just ballooned and it's mostly the Northeast that we see that major problem with. Um, So hopefully we can get some relief there. uh, And and that would be very helpful. but no, it hasn't gotten much better. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that was kind of what I was expecting. So has it gotten to the, like, um, has it gotten to the point where in some of those states, like take New York, for instance, I know that one was a particularly, uh, particularly a pain point for you. Um, is it getting to the point where you're still seeing, is there still, basically, is there still room left to grow in, in states like New York or, or are, have you, are you kind of like um, just sort of like, really pushing for like these other states that obviously we're looking at and we'll get into here in a minute that you're looking at, uh, you know, coming online with their own community solar programs. So I think there's plenty, especially in New York, I think there's plenty of room to grow in New York. Um, In terms of community solar, one of the things that concerns me is making sure there's enough offtaker of of the load um, to subscribe to our systems. And so you don't get in a situation where uh, you're competing against all the other community solar projects uh, and you're getting in a bidding war to subscribe your projects. So making sure there's enough load is super important. In New York, I think there's plenty of load and that's not an issue. The problem with New York has always been the program yeah. and, and the program just is overly complex 
and financiers. And let's face it, we're, we're kind of a financier in owning these projects. That complexity is just hard to, to get your arms around. So I think it's the beater program that, that we don't love. Um, it's gotten better. Uh, the projects that we have operating have actually exceeded um, what, what we had projected or initially had projected when we did the closeout with the beater. Uh, but forecasting forward, it still is tough. So we need to take the new IRA, run it through the model. And if we can incorporate some interconnection costs, maybe we can make future projects work. So yeah. I think New York is definitely going to be a, a growth area for us. Um, but there's still a lot of questions. Sure, sure. Um, well, you know, speaking of questions, obviously, uh, one thing that we've been talking about for, for some time is these states that, you know, appear to be poised to to launch their own community solar programs, um, you know, hopefully in a in a shorter time frame. We've been saying that for some time, though, and it, it, you know, it's taken some time. But um, obviously, there are there are definitely some states that are on the way, though. So, um, could you just kind of walk me through some of these states, um, you know, whether they're in the, the West or the Midwest or, or what have you, that that you're kind of looking at, um, and maybe what you see is sort of the next frontiers for community solar. Well, obviously, New Mexico has their new community solar program. Mm -hmm. uh, New Mexico is one of those states that I do worry about the, the offtake. Um, sure. And my family's been from New Mexico since the early 1900s. So that's kind of home, mm. uh, although I, I never really lived there. My grandparents lived there. Um, so I'd love to see it be a booming. Uh, they certainly can use the economic development in New Mexico. Mm -hmm. uh, but the challenge is, is credit worthy offtake um, for those community solar projects. So um, we'll see how New Mexico shapes up. I'd love to, to see New Mexico become a booming uh, community solar state. Other states that, that we're thinking should hopefully pan out, uh, we think Pennsylvania uh, has a program that almost made it through. And amazingly enough, it seems like it's the solar industry that shot ourselves in the foot um, because we couldn't come together as an industry and agree on what should be in the, in the program. So the legislators rightfully said, hey, if you guys can't agree on it, how can we agree on it? So they sent it back for study. We think it'll come out of study and it'll get passed and that'll be a good state for those five megawatt type uh, community solar projects. So we're, we're, actively developing there. Um, and then we'll see what other states pop up as, as these programs get announced. Okay, so in, in states like this, like states like Pennsylvania, New Mexico, where yeah, they just opened theirs up and, and maybe some others. Um, is there anything that, that firms like State of Solar can do that, you know, whether it's like some sort of lobbying effort or taking part in dockets, you know, exploring community solar or anything like that, that you guys um, get involved in? Or is it just kind of a matter of you see it on the horizon and you start like doing the due diligence of, you know, sort of figuring out sites and, you know, doing that pre-development stuff? It's tough. It's always good to have a local um, sophisticated developer help you out. So uh, we try to find partners that are engaged in the community and participate in their local SIA or the SIA equivalent in the state. Um, you know, we're based right outside of Washington, D.C., so we try to keep in close contact with the national SIA and, and see what's going on in the states. But until the legislation is actually written 
it's it's hard to really know what to plan for. So we go in and try to plan very broadly, find quality sites with good interconnection. Uh, so a good solar site is a good solar site, kind of regardless of where it, where it is. So that's what we focus on. And then hopefully the legislators get it right and create a program that takes a good solar site and makes it available to, to become reality. Um, and that's how we approach it. Sure, sure. Sounds good. Now, uh, uh, this is something that I, that I also want to touch on just based on, um, it might have been the last time we, we, we talked, um, you and I, we were, we were um, the, right in the middle of the Oxen solar tariff um, investigation uh, issue, um, kind of like at the, the tail end of, of Q2. And, um, you know, obviously that issue was deferred and, and um, through things like the IRA, it looks like we're trying to get some American manufacturing off the ground, as you mentioned earlier. So those are uh, positive steps. But I kind of wanted to check in with you and see where your head was at that, just because uh, it was something that we discussed previously. Um, last I heard, um, I think there were supposed to be some preliminary findings from the investigation that were due um, somewhere around this timeline. So I don't know if you've heard anything about that, but yeah, I was just curious about um, kind of how you're, you're thinking about that issue now. Um, that's kind of been you know, put, put to the background to a degree, but, you know, not, not gone forever. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, put on the back burner is a great way to describe it. I think we've all been so focused on the new shiny toy in the room being mm -hmm. the IRA that that subject has lost a lot of uh, context. Um, so for us, uh, we're trying to leverage our buying, um, and pool buying with our company. And we've actually partnered with other companies to, to get more leverage within the supply chain. And we've been fairly successful. I think supply chain just in general is, is strained. And I think it'll be strained for the near future. I think there will be relief in the future. And I think pricing will start coming back down, um, but we're, we're not quite there yet. And so the, the sooner we can resolve all of that, I think the better for the for the industry. And as everybody shifts to US manufactured product, um, we'll see how the rest of the world reacts. Maybe they'll be more willing to, to, to be a good supplier and not change terms once POs have been submitted and, and do the right thing. Sure, sure. Yeah, it'll definitely be something to that, that we'll be watching, as I'm sure you will, because, um, you know, the deferral was, you know, for two years, right? But, um, you know, I don't... <laughs> As uh, much as we'd like to see it, I don't know that American manufacturing is going to be up to up to par, you know, in two years. So um, obviously, that's something that that will be um, will be taking a look at it. Um, one of the last things I wanted to discuss is um, kind of going back to the IRA a little bit. Uh, you you obviously one of the the big components for the IRA for for a lot of um, developers is the addition of the ITC for standalone storage. Um, now um, I I. I I think you said in a, a statement earlier that you were you were excited about that and that might be something that you guys might be interested in and sort of taking a look at it and exploring. So can you just kind of tell us a little bit about um, Centered Solar's um, interest in, in storage and, and uh, just kind of where you hope that to take that now that, you know, there is a storage ITC available um, post IRA? Sure. So uh, we've done storage projects. They've always been attached to a solar um, system. And all of them, quite frankly, for the most part, were funded through grants, state level grants. Uh, so, uh, and we've got projects in Massachusetts, New York, and California, I think are the three states we currently have uh, storage projects. 
So we think it's it's really exciting and obviously storage gets a lot of buzz, but it hasn't quite been there yet. Um, so we're excited about the potential that it brings. We are looking at several portfolios uh, of storage only projects. Um, the problem right now with storage only type projects, for the most part, it's hard to get contracted revenue streams off of those. Right. So that makes the financing of those systems a little bit more complex. Uh, so we're working and looking at ways to get comfortable with that and to uh, play a bigger role. But um, it's definitely a, an area of focus that Standard Solar is going to take going forward. Cool, cool. We'll definitely uh, you know keep an eye on that, and, and hopefully we can stay in touch as things sort of develop in in that space. Um, I think I guess you know all this said, you know we, we've covered all of these these big topics and and kind of you know, how they're going to impact the, the industry as a whole. But um, as we kind of wind down here, I would like to know uh, just for, for you and for from Standard Solar, you know, what what can what kind of things could we expect um, from you guys as we go through, say, the next 12 to 18 months? Standard Solar is super excited about the no- next 12 to 18 months. Uh, we have a lot of big things planned. Um, we expect our growth to accelerate. So we're planning around that and, and trying to create a company that's, energetic and fun uh, and maintain that, that corporate culture that, that we all enjoy here at Standard Solar uh, as we grow. So we want to be the, the bigger company that feels more like a small company where all of the employees are empowered. Um, that's the kind of company we want to grow into. But uh, we, we expect exponential growth over the foreseeable future. Awesome. Well, you know, it sounds like you guys are uh, on the cusp of some big things. And, and obviously with the IRA, hopefully that'll kind of help uh, help you guys move things along, particularly uh, with those transmission costs. So we'll, we'll definitely stay in touch. And, uh, you know, as always, I appreciate you taking the time. And it was great to have you on today. Uh, thanks for having me.